So let's now turn to the book of John, chapter 6. John chapter 6, and you might want to keep it there, because later on I'm going to read some more of this. But John chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 35, and if you could please stand on the reading of the word. John chapter 6, verse 35. As we stand on the reading of his word, it does say this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. This, of course, is speaking in a spiritual sense. This is not speaking literal, because I know what you might be thinking to yourself, which is I have come to know Jesus Christ, and I still get hungry physically, thirsty too. But this is in a spiritual sense, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment. We will. But now, we know a feast. We'll get to that too. When you think of the old days and of prisoners, They used to always talk about prisoners receiving bread and water. I'm talking about in the old days. They talk about prisoners receiving bread and water. Give them bread and water, and they would keep them alive on that and that alone. Now, they don't have to deal with that now. Prison, they may very well get better meals than you. I don't know. But uh, they used to talk about that. Give them bread and water. Keep them alive. That's all. That's it. Jesus didn't even have that for 40 days. But he didn't have really anything. He's one of the only uh, couple folks in the Bible who went that long. But it was a spiritual sense that he was able to survive. In fact, it's in Matthew 4, 4 that he answered, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We know that's when Satan was tempted to eat bread. However, we know that bread and water was the way to make people barely survive. I mean, barely survive back in the day. However, God, back in the days of people surviving, we're talking about the book of Exodus and other things, he was getting them out of Egypt, he had them survive on bread and water, didn't he? He gave them uh, miraculous water that would come from streams that were from nowhere, from rocks. And he gave them miraculous bread. I'm talking about manna now. Now, there's a lot of spiritual meaning in this, and we'll talk about that. In fact, we're going to talk about today. Today's sermon is called A Feast of Bread and Water. That's the title of today's sermon, A Feast of Bread and Water. Now, I'll be truthful with you. Uh, I was praying on this for a while, and I thought, you know, a feast of bread and water. When I was a kid, and people used to say, just give him bread and water. That didn't sound very appetizing to me. And a feast of bread and water doesn't really sound like a great feast if you think about it. But in a spiritual sense, a feast of bread and water is a wonderful thing. We're going to get to that. Well, we know quite a few feasts that are in the Bible. And in the Jewish sense, uh, uh, there are lots of feasts that we'll talk about, all nine of them, these feasts tonight. In fact, or today, excuse me. In fact, that list that we have out there talks about them all. I have listed right there for you. I got them out of a book I recently bought. has all these feasts written down. I thought, oh, boy, uh, I don't even have to top them up because they're right there, listed right in a row. We're going to talk about them. Jesus celebrated them all, by the way. Now, we're not into Judaism, but Jesus, you got to remember, right? Jesus, uh, he fulfilled uh, all the law. He fulfilled all that. He, he lived by that. This is simply to say, now, you don't have to live by Judaism. Because Jesus fulfilled all that. But simply to say that Jesus knew these feasts. He lived by them. He knew of it all. Oh, so, Pastor, are you saying we have to go from here and now on live by these feasts of Israel? No, you don't have to do that. All that was from the law back in the day. Jesus has fulfilled all that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying it's fulfilled, it's done. 
We live by something completely different, which is we're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it's nice to know of the feasts that are in Israel. And why am I mentioning feasts today? Because I'm about to have one here at the church. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to mention a whole other kind of feast, the Feast of Bread and Water. And we're going to talk about that. Now, the feasts are in the Bible. We're going to mention all nine feasts right here. And uh, they were all uh, uh, according to a calendar that God gave. And they started in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And there's a couple of them. First of all, the first uh, feast was the Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover, which is uh, in Jewish term was, was Pesach. Uh, Pesach. Uh, that was the first one. Now, I may not be pronouncing all these correctly, I'm, you know, but I'm doing my very best. Okay. And uh, they have a whole calendar on that, which, by the way, on, on those pages, on the other side of, of those lists, it does have that calendar, which you can look up. And it's all different uh, on our calendar, depending on when it all lands. But anyway... The description of it is is uh, because the tenth plague that happened in Egypt, whenever the uh, death was about to come, well, we know about that. We knew that the angel of death was going to come and take the firstborn to the Egyptians. So what happened was God told them to take the lamb's blood and put it on the doorframe. This is symbolic of what was going to happen in the long run when Jesus Christ came. We know that, and blood was put upon you know the cross, which we put on the doorframe of our heart. We know all that. Jesus Christ did that. We, that's whole symbolic. But anyway. So when that happened, there become a Passover. That's what it's symbol, symbolism of, is the Passover of, of death. It went on the lamb's blood of the doorframe. We know all that. So that's what Passover means, Pesach. Now, that is what the first celebration means. When they do that, they eat of lamb, they eat of all these things. I've celebrated some of this before with people. Then the other feast that they talk about is unleavened bread, which is the same time, at the exact same time when they have the Passover. Uh, this is also in Exodus chapter 12. Also, they talk about this and Passover in Leviticus 23, and this is in that on that list. And when they have that, it's also called, the unleavened bread is called Hag HaMatzah. Now, this is when the Lord talked about them. For the seven days, he told the people to eat unleavened bread, matzah. Now, I don't know if you ever had matzah. I happen to love unleavened bread. You can ask my mom. She can't even hardly get that out of the bowl, uh, to be completely honest with you. I, uh, quote, unquote, borrowed a little bit last night. I have... Uh, I, I love to see the unleavened bread. I love to see that, you know, and I'm trying to lose weight. But when you see matzah, ooh, and they, it was all because when they were making the bread, they didn't have time talking about the Israel people now. They didn't have time, <coughs> the Hebrew folk, they didn't have time at that point. The bread was made in a hurry from the flour and the water without yeast and to represent how the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt in haste, in a hurry. So that's what the matzah is all about. God brought them out and said, you don't have time. We're getting out of here. Pack your bags. We're getting out of here. So that's what matzah is all about. And I like that because that means unleavened bread. So then there's the other feast, which is uh, first fruits. All about the first fruits. Now, when I was a kid, I thought that meant literal fruit. <laughs> that's not what it means. It's not about apples and oranges and all that jazz. Uh, rishi uh, is literally... Mean it's on the third day after Passover. Okay, so this is all being celebrated at the same time. You'll see this also in Leviticus 23. It's about the, the priest uh, who waved the sheaf of grain before the Lord as the first fruit offering. In other words, the first of what you receive, the best of what you got. You don't say, well, okay, I received this sheaf of grain. I'll just get part of that and get you know the leftovers. No, 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 no. You get the first of what you got, the best of what you got. When first receive, you first receive it. That's why they call it the first fruits, the best of what you got. You know, you don't wait and go leftovers. No, no, no. 
People do that too often. Oh, I'll give me whatever's left over. You know, when it starts half rotten. Nuh-uh. You get the best of what you got and give it to God. That's We'll talk about this later, but that when we start talking about tithe and giving offerings unto God, tithing offerings, you don't just give leftovers go, I'll give to God if I have something left over. No, you give first to God. First fruits to God. That's what they did, what you should do. The next one, the next festival or feast was the Feast of Weeks. This meant Pentecost, what they called Shavuot. And Shavuot was the 50 days after Passover. Shavuot, Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. Now, by the way, you might have heard of Pentecost before. This is not just the style of church. Pentecost was something that happened when the Holy Spirit came. Years later, after Jesus Christ, we know all that. But listen to what it says here. 50 days after Passover, this was a day to present uh, an offering of the new grain of the summer we harvest to the Lord. And Pentecost literally means 50th. That's what it means. It means 50th. Now, so when you hear Pentecost is what it means, 50th after Passover. So they didn't only give their first fruits, they gave the new as well. So that's what they did. They gave the, the first and the fifth, the brand new. Isn't that nice? And then the fifth one is the Feast of Trumpets. I like that. Feast of Trumpets. Now, if I had a trumpet, which is probably made out of a horn back then, okay? It wasn't brass, but they, it was probably a horn, you know, of some sort. Uh, it was Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, which was the start of the High Holy Days. This was a day of rest and food offerings commemorating with trumpet blast. And it was the beginning of a civil new year. This is what they would do. They would celebrate. And I love that they would celebrate. That's great. They should celebrate that they give their best unto God. Rosh Hashanah, the, the start of the high holy days. And then the sixth one was the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. They call it Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And this was the end of the high holy days. On this holiest day of the year, the high priest entered, I love this, the, the high priest entered the most holy place of the tabernacle, the temple. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, you know, I have an Ark of the Covenant in there, a toy, really, and uh, decorations. And they, they, I sometimes bring it out here to show you. But they'd have that, and they'd place it, and they'd offered the blood of the sacrificed animal on this day, the most holiest day of the year, the Day of Atonement. And they would offer that blood of the sacrificed animal on the mercy seat of the Ark to atone for the sin of Israel. Now this is important because this is what Jesus Christ represented later on. You remember when Jesus died and whoosh, the sheet, that thick sheet would rip? Folks, you no longer need to worry about that ark. You say, where's that ark now? Well, some people say they know, some say they don't. I say it's on a Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. <laughs> but the point of this is this. I say none of that matters because the ark is replaced by Christ himself. You understand? You understand? Now, the next the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths. Now, why am I quoting it? It's, it's such a directness. Booths. Because I want to make sure that you understand it's not boots that you wear. <laughs> it's booths that you go into, like a phone booth, except it's not that. It's Feast of Booths, Sakut, and, uh, or Sakat, some say. But anyway, Sakut. Uh, this week-long celebration, they celebrate for a week, the week-long celebration of the fall harvest. So that's this time of year. It's either going to be September or October. This week-long celebration of the fall harvest commemorates the 40-year wilderness journey. I mean, they celebrate everything. The 40-year wilderness journey, uh, it was a time to build booths 
temporary shelters. That's where they had to live sometimes. They would just go inside there. Because remember, they were, for 40 years, they had to wander the wilderness. And they built up these temporary little shacks, you could call them. <laughs> little booths. Can you imagine that? Like a tent, if you would. You see people go camping. They put up tents, little booths, if you will. That's what they do. So that's what it is. They put temporary shelters to remember how Israelites lived under God's provision and protection in the wilderness. Now I like that. Reminded themselves what God did for them for 40 years. That's wonderful. That's what the celebration is. The Feast of Booths. And then there's the eighth one. The Feast of Dedication. Now folks, as Christmas comes around, I want you to remember the Feast of Dedication. You may have heard of it. And by the way, in John 10, 22, John 10, 22, Jesus himself, it speaks about him. Celebrate the Feast of Dedication. Okay? So, so just because these couple of last feasts are mentioned in the Old Testament so much, but they are mentioned later on. Feast of Dedication is very important. Now, you may have heard of it and not even realize it. The Feast of Dedication is called Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the Feast of Dedication, okay? In the 2nd century B.C., the Maccabean revolt against the Seleucids was successful in the Temple of Jerusalem and was cleansed and rededicated. This is important. They had to protect the people in Israel. And then the last one is the Feast of Lots, and also known as Purim. Okay, this is very important too. This festival remembers the foil plot that Haman of Haman to try to kill all the Jewish people in King uh, Xerxes. And uh, we know of this. And we also know how important it is. Because it's a celebration of the deliverance of the Jews uh, through Queen Esther. This is important. God has all these feasts for the people to remember what God brought them through. So these are feasts that God has. But there's another feast. That we're going to talk about here today. I dare even say a more important feast. Not a feast that the Jewish people celebrate, but a feast that we Christians can celebrate every single day. A very important feast. It is far beyond these. This other feast is an eternal feast. The Feast of Bread and Water. As I drink literal water right here. I drink, a, uh, excuse me, a Feast of Bread and Water because we're going to talk about the Bread of Life. We're going to talk about the Bread of Life. So let's now turn to the book of John, chapter 6. If you're not still there, and I, I'm not, obviously. But we're going to get there real quick. The bread of life. Okay. John, chapter 6. We're going to read verse 26 through 58. This says this. Verse 26. Jesus answered them, truly, truly. Now, now keep in mind. People came to him. These people had been waiting. Jesus had been on the water. And he'd been on the water in the boat with the disciples. Now the people who had been waiting, they have been waiting to see Jesus for a while. They did that a lot. They followed him around. They wanted to see the show. It was like he was a rock star. You think of Jesus like that if you want. He was like a rock star. He's very famous. People will always want to see what was going on. like a show. And Jesus was out on the boat with the disciples. And they were wanting to see. Now, what had happened before that? Well, Jesus Christ, well, we know. There was a storm right before that. See, Jesus walked out there and joined them. Now, they didn't even know how Jesus got out there on the boat, these people. I mean, you'd have to wonder, hey, he didn't go out with them. Now he's come back with them. Now, that's interesting. So, Jesus answered them as they were asking, Rabbi, when did you come here? How'd you get there? Is what they're asking. So, this is what Jesus says in verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you uh, ate 
the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for that food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for God the Father has, has set his seal on him. He's talking about the seal here. Then they asked him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign do you show then that we may see and believe you? What work will you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now you got to remember, these people don't know Jesus like you do. They don't know him personally yet. Some end up knowing him personally, some may not. But you know him. You know what he is. He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. This is still a stranger to them in that sense. They're still just wanting to see the show. They're still just wanting to see the tricks. They're there to see what he can do. It's like you traveling miles away to see a concert. And you're just there to see what's going to happen. He's there to show them so much more, more than tricks in the trade. He's there to give them the truth of life. Jesus said, truth, truth, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven, excuse me, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He just read that. He goes on to say, but I told you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All whom the Father gives me will come to me, and he who comes to me I will never cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who has sent me, that of all whom he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life and will raise him up on the last day. The Jews then murmured about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whom the father, whose, father was, uh, excuse me, whose father and mother we know? Who, how is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered them, Do not murmur among yourselves, no one can uh, come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and has learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it 
and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread which I shall give for the for the life of the world is my flesh. Going on from there, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because the Father, so whoever feeds on me also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father, excuse me, not as your fathers ate manna and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, folks, I'm saying this to you. This is not like literal bread. He was speaking to them of the spiritual bread, his body, which he came down and gave for us. He wants us to live forever, not because, not because we're not going to hunger, literally. We're going to hunger in a physical sense, but spiritually, there's no other way. There's nothing else we can eat. We need God. Now, here's the thing. He spoke of this more than one time. He spoke about it again. He spoke about it in Matthew 26, 26 through 30. He spoke to his people at the Last Supper, which, by the way, next week we're going to have, uh, the, uh, when we give of the bread and, and drink of the juice here, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to have that little uh, commemorance here. That will be next week. But this is what he said unto them. He said to the disciples, even then. Now, let me, let me explain something to you. When he did this, he waited till Judas left. He spoke about it, and then Judas left. And then he said this to them, those who were left, the left. He said, Matthew 26, 26 to 30. He said, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. He gave it and and excuse me, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink uh, drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. But when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, Judas wasn't with them. Now, why is this important? We hear about John and a few other places. Because Judas, he dipped the bread, didn't he? He dipped the bread. There's the one who dips with me. He dips the bread, he gets up and leaves. Judas wouldn't be with him through this. This is for those who are true unto the Lord Jesus Christ. This is important. Then we see, not only is Jesus the bread of life, this is the feast of bread. But then there's the, bread of, uh, the feast of water with it, the living water. Now, some people believe that the living water is Jesus Christ. It's not. Jesus Christ is not that living water. I can understand why they think that. <coughs> He's not. He's not the living water. But someone else is. They're kind of one in the same, sort of. 
because they're all part of the Lord God. There's God the Father, Jesus, the Son, and there's one other, the Holy Spirit. And so the living water is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ himself says this. Now let's go into this in two different parts. They speak about this. So let's go to this together, okay? The first part is in John 4, 10 through 14. Now Jesus uh, broke away from the disciples for just a short while, and he said at a well, like the woman at the well, I was thinking, remember? Now, while he was there at the one's well, Jesus answered to her, and he said, if you knew the gift of God, remember the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and who it was who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. When then do you get this living water? And so can, I can imagine her thinking that. He said, she said, uh, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and, uh, and drank for, from it himself, along with the sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. And indeed, the water that I shall give him will become in him a well springing up into eternal life. Now, in this sense, we're talking about eternal life. We're talking about that water. But listen now. He's talking about not just eternal life. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know this? Well, let's now go to John 7. John 7, 37 through 39. Now, listen to this. This is how we know that the living water is the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen, you're going to love this. Holy Spirit is that living water when you are not living for God. When you are out on your own, oh, you start to thirst. And you know what just talking about, I'm getting thirsty. <laughs> but when you're not living for God, you start to thirst. And I mean lip-smacking thirst. Have you ever been doing your own thing, not following God, and all of a sudden you can almost, you almost get so thirsty and hungry, and you know you need the Word to live on? You know you need Jesus in your life. You know you're not doing right. You get hungry for it. Lord God, I don't know what's wrong. You know what's wrong. You're hungry for Jesus Christ in his word. You know that you are. And you know that you're hungry and thirsty for the Holy Spirit. And you need it, man. You need it on those dry lips because you cannot feel the Holy Spirit going in and out of you. You know that you need it. Well, listen to what Jesus Christ says here in John 7, 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, I like that. How do we know that's the Holy Spirit? Listen now. Verse 39. By this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believe in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The moment you ask Jesus Christ in your heart, the moment you do, the Holy Spirit comes in you. But pastor, I don't always feel the Holy Spirit, but when you're not following God, you're not going to hear and feel the flowing of the Holy Spirit. Folks, you have water in your body, but you don't always feel it. You know why? Because when you don't have that water, oh, I know this is good to you. But let me tell you something. When you don't, don't have enough water in your body, and when you don't have it with you, because I'm going to tell you something. 
I used to exercise all the time. I used to have to slurp. I mean, slurp it down. Why? Because I was sweating out more than I was taking in. I was getting rid of more than I was taking in. And folks, when you're not putting in as much Holy Spirit is as you're putting out all sorts of other things of the body, and I'm talking about the Spirit, and you're not putting it all in, oh boy, just slurp it all in. Mm-hmm. Bring the Holy Spirit in. You need to bring in the Holy Spirit, folks. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in through through song. Drink it in, bring it in through prayer. Bring it in through scripture. Take your time with the Lord, the Holy Spirit, because you need that drink. And I know what's going to happen right now when we're going to go eat here in just a few minutes. People are going to say, don't forget my drink. And folks, I'm here to tell you, when you go to eat with the Lord Jesus Christ every day, don't forget your drink with your time of prayer and worship because you need the Holy Spirit just as much as you need Jesus. When people say, I don't believe in time with the Holy Spirit, and I've heard people say this, oh, you ignorant people, you need the Holy Spirit too. Yes, you do. I've actually known Christians to say they don't have the Holy Spirit when you got a problem. You got a real problem. If you don't think you got the Holy Spirit, you better make sure you got Jesus. You can't live on bread and bread alone. Jesus himself said that. You need more than just that. Come on now. Come on. You need it. 1 Corinthians 10, 16-17. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. This is our spiritual feast that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 16-17. God has brought us together. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 11, 24-28, when we had given thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after he had supper, saying, this is the cup. This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread, Drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats his bread and drinks his cup of the Lord un- uh, cup of the Lord unworthy will be guilty of the body, the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The fact is, we're not worthy of Christ. None of us are. But Jesus Christ has given his body as the bread. The Holy Spirit has given himself in the cup as that water that will flow through you and help you every single day. We need to remember that. We need to remember that you have Jesus Christ with you every day. Make sure that your diet, your daily diet, takes up of the bread of life, which is Jesus. And every single day, your diet takes up of the Holy Spirit. Do it through worship. Do it through prayer. Never stop. Never stop. And folks, I'm here to tell you, growing up, I never would have thought that I'd ever want to feast upon bread and water. But I'm going to tell you something. Every single day now, if I don't have plenty of time with bread and water, I'm starving. I I made up a word as a kid. You know, I knew that if you didn't have something to eat, you'd be starving. But I didn't know what it meant not to have enough water. So I came up with a word called thirstily. And I know that's a stupid 
praise. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you're starving, spiritually starving. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit flowing throughout your body, you're spiritually thirstily. Okay? You need Christ. You need the Holy Spirit flowing throughout you every single day. Because if you don't, you're going to dry up. Nothing but bones and a little bit. Of, well, let me just say this again. I've seen a lot of people live, living off a lot of junk. An awful lot of flesh. <laughs> an awful lot of flesh, and it's gross. An awful lot of flesh. You don't need more flesh. Huh? Just look at the people out there. There's a lot of flesh. You see a lot more than you need to. But let me tell you, we don't need that. What we need is an awful lot of spirit and very little flesh. You hear me? It's time to have a feast of bread and water. A lot less than I'm not saying that to you who are here, who are about to go out and have a feast of this food, okay? But remember when we leave here today, what Jesus said in John 14, 6. What did he say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as we leave here today, and as we feast today, let us always remember, no matter what feasts were brought to the people of Israel, and there were many, we saw, no matter what holidays and celebrations were brought, those were simply the beginnings that were going to lead to the greatest feast of all. I personally am very happy and glad that God brought these feasts, nine feasts, feast of Passover, feast of unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of weeks or the feast of trumpets, the day of atonement, the feast of booths, the feast of dedication, the feast of lots. I'm glad for all those. But in reality, there is nothing, nothing like the feast of your spirit because you have been able to have the feast of bread and water. In other words, the feast of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you have been saved by Jesus. And if there's anyone today, anyone who's here, or anyone who's at home right now, who's watching this, who is yet to receive that feast of Jesus Christ, that could change today. More importantly, I don't know if it's more important, but what does it say? Perhaps you've received Jesus Christ as Savior, but you've not been feasting. You've not been feasting on his word. And you've not been feasting upon that bread, even though you've received it. And you've not been feasting on that feast of water because you have not been flowing with it. You didn't understand what it meant. You thought, well, I'm already saved, but I've not received any feast. Folks, it's like the man who received a free pass to go to a banquet, but he doesn't get any of the feast that he could have. What's the point? If you have received the banquet and you don't get any food or anything to drink, you can have all the feasts in the world. It's given you absolutely free. It's already bought and paid for by Christ. Receive it today. It's yours. We have a church full right now of good people. And they can go back there and eat with us as soon as this is done. And it will be soon. And if they go back there and just look at the food and don't have any of it, that's all on them. <laughs> I'll make up for it. But here's the deal. If you right now spiritually have not received anything of the Lord God, that's not on God, that's on you. If you have not grown and not received anything in your spirit, 
because you do not believe that you need to feast upon the wonderful things, the spirit of the bread and the water. Right now you're starving spiritually because you believe he's not talking to you. Well, he is. He's talking to you today. He's talking to me today. And we all need to feast upon Jesus Christ even now. And if we want to be thankful for what God has given us, receive what he's given you even now. He wants us to be thankful, not just because the time of year that it is, not just because we're going to be eating a fowl, and by that I'm talking about a turkey, not just because of the things that our family and friends are doing for us and what they're going to be doing as soon as we put up trees and other things. We need to be thankful because God has given us something far more than something that is seasonal. He has given us everlasting life, so receive it and grow from it. Not just on Sunday but every single day and every moment of the day. And with that, let us bow. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we come unto you. And we thank you so very, very much. Lord, right now, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for this time of year that we can be thankful for all that you've given us. Lord, I pray right now. I pray for all the people who are here. And I pray for those who are not. And I pray that we be thankful for the gifts that you give. I thank you, Lord God, for every single feast that you've given to those of people. To bring them through, to remember the gifts that you've given them, to remember the times you've been with them. Lord. I pray, Lord, that we remember that. Even if that's something that we're not usually with or through, our celebratory moments. But I thank you, Lord, for Lord, I thank you for your protection. And Lord, I thank you for the feast of bread and water of your loving, wonderful Son, our everlasting Savior, you, Lord, to the best. I thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for it. And I pray right now that we will be thankful and we, we will not forget what you've done. Thank you for the bread of life. Thank you for the living water. I pray that we will allow it to keep us alive spiritually, that we will continue to thrive. I thank you for your service. And I love you. I pray, Lord God, that you bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.